0: push clients. Don't think it's going to happen just in your supplier base. You have to make sure as a owner that you say, hey, diversity matters to me. It's something I want to look at in my decision matrix. And I want, I want you as suppliers competing for my work. I want that to be something that matters to you and you are actively working to um, be creative in bringing different people to the table.
1: Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority led, women led, LGBT led, and veteran led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H I R E G R O U N D.io. Now on to the episode.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You are listening to your two favorite podcast hosts, Chloe Goodyear-Reed and Adam Moore. And today we're going to welcome Michael Russell, CEO of H.J. Russell & Company, a vertically integrated service provider specializing in real estate development, construction, program management, and property management. Michael is also the board of member of various organizations, and is a member of the Atlanta Rotary Club and 100 Black Men. Thanks for joining us today, Michael. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Adam.
1: Yes, thank you so much, Michael, for joining us today. So before we get into this, I, I want to just kind of talk a little bit about, yes, you are the CEO of H.J. Russell. Tell us a little bit more about the mission behind H.J. Russell. Yeah,
0: that would be great. Okay. Yeah. Well, H.J. Russell and Company, we will celebrate 70 years next year. So a business started by my father, Herman Russell. Um, and, you know, I mean, he started this business in the 50s in Atlanta. Um, and it was really all about uh, providing quality services. He, his background, uh, his father was a plasterer, which is a wall finish. Uh, for those, you know, It's a wall finish that prior to drywall, you know, so... Uh, he was a plasterer my dad was um, became a master plasterer at the age of fourteen and after graduating from college he he took over the plastering business for uh, his father and eventually threw that until in, into what we now have as Russell and company and we have always been in the building in the building business um uh, from a real estate uh from a from a um, a construction point of view and 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 from a property management point of view and i think the I mean, mission of H.J. Russell and the company has always been to to not only, you know, provide quality structures and provide buildings, but provide people with a better quality of life. I mean, my dad, you know, one of the things that he really believed in was providing quality housing for people. So back in the 70s, he was a prolific developer of, of HUD housing, which is providing quality, affordable housing for people and we were uh, the largest. Uh, we've been the largest um, manager of HUD housing in Georgia for many years. So, which is basically providing quality living uh, for people who you know who are not in the same e- um, um, economic strata as many as you guys and our listeners and your listeners. So, I mean that's one thing. So, it's really providing quality services and which which very often serviced uh, minority communities. So. Impactful in the community, from a business perspective, um, from uh, providing something that adds value to to uh, to society, has always been our mission, and and we we have a mantra now at HJ Russell called "We Build," and I mean what that means is not just build structures, but we build communities, we build a uh, happiness, we build uh, opportunity um, in healthcare is we build uh, healthy. Families, so we like to make sure that whatever we're engaged in is is providing a positive impact in the communities we serve.
2: That's that's absolutely awesome, and I think that's a sign of a really healthy company that is so concerned about giving back and how are they impacting community? How are they helping grow and build community, not just their own bottom line? I mean, that to me signals, uh, you know, just a fantastic, well grounded company that. You can anticipate being around for a good long time. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, making sure that you're doing good and serving communities, the un- underserved communities, I think is just with the skills and the talents that you have, I think is just, I mean, what's, what, what better use of life than that?
2: Oh, yeah, Exactly.
1: So, you know, when we talk about just legacy in general, Michael, you know, how important do you think it is? You know, we've got a lot of small businesses that listen Mm -hmm. to the podcast. How important do you think it is for companies to think about its legacy as as they grow?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's very important. I mean, if you really if you I mean, you know, legacy can mean a lot of different things. It can mean your personal legacy. It can mean your family legacy. It can mean um, your legacy, your 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 impact on the community. I think it's important. I mean, I I think it's very important. And, I, you know, I mean, we all I mean, we all want to make an economic return and do well financially, but you can do good, you know, while you're doing well. Right. And, and I, you know, and I guess maybe I, and and I know I come from a privately owned, family owned business, so I so I have a little different perspective on that. Mm-hmm. And, and I come from a business that's been grounded, you know, where we were. Founded in Atlanta, we work across the nation, but we still have our base in Atlanta. We feel very, very much that we've been blessed. Atlanta's been a great place for us to grow our business, and we want to make sure that our legacy is positive. And we're, you know, that when HJ Russell, hopefully, we're around a, a long, long, long time. But mm-hmm. that our yeah. family um, has been positively impactful in in the communities we serve. We think that's just very important, and. You know, we hope more businesses um, look at at that as they grow their businesses. How are, how are they also um, how are they growing the communities in which they serve?
2: What are some suggestions you would give to other business owners out there that are are like yourself, right? Small probably family owned, maybe multi-generational. And they're like, you know, we really want to start doing something like this. What are some suggestions you could give to our business owners out there on how they can start impacting the communities in which they live and work as well?
0: Well, I mean, first you, I mean, I think the first thing as an entrepreneur and as as you're growing a business, you do have to, you know, you do have to continue to build, you know, you have to have some level of sustainability. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. one. Mm Right. And Mm -hmm. as a, Small business owner, I get it. I'm. I, I mean, we are. You know, we're big enough now that I mean, I don't have to. I I have an infrastructure that keeps things going day to day. Important. So me as a as a founder, as an I mean, you um, not as a founder, but as a CEO and as a part of uh, the ownership of the organization, I can I can have a, a high level of sensitivity as to how is how is my company. Engaging in the community on the give back, and and I'm, I guess I'm just a believer too. If you do that, and if people think you're sincere about it, business will come your way. I mean, I mean, you have to go out and get it, but but that reputation and that um and the, and the history you have of being impactful will mean something to uh, many clients that you want to do business with. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, you still have. To You still have to execute, you still got to deliver. But, you know, I would tell entrepreneurs, just be conscious of of your engagement in the community will come back around to you um, opportunities. And, and, you know, we also, I mean, we obviously engage in communities in which we work and we look at that as a positive, um, as as a way to give back, but also for us to build and deepen our relationships uh, with our clients which hopefully will lead to more business opportunities in the future. So, I mean, it goes hand in hand to me, giving back growing your business and being conscious of that um, should should help should help you grow your business while you are being positively impactful in your community.
2: That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. You know, and I think the other thing that I love about H.J. Russell is, you know, I, I kind of said it, you, you guys are multi-generational, right? So your grandfather started it, then your father picked it up, and now you're carrying the mantle forward. Talk to us a little bit, because one of the things I see when I mentor small businesses that are multi-generational, they kind of get stuck in a rut sometime, right? Well, this is the way we've always done it. I kind of keep doing it that way. So, you know, talk to us, how, how do you honor the past, the work, the sweat, the sweat equity that your grandfather and father put into the company it is now, and how are you honoring them, but yet still moving H.J. Russell forward into the future?
0: That's a great question. I, I, you know, I mean, no business lives in the past mm-hmm. and, and can, and can grow the business. You have to appreciate the past and you have to um, honor that legacy, but you also have to position yourself for the future. So, Right. I mean, right. You know, I can't do our business can't operate the same way my dad ran it 25 years ago. <laughs>
2: right. Exactly.
0: But at the same time, it really gets down to kind of your fundamentals and and your and your culture. I mean, I the culture that my dad um, built this organization on of integrity, of doing what you say you're going to do, uh, of really. Um, Just being, as I'm saying, being a positive contributor to the communities we serve is kind of a culture that you that you can still keep as you continue to evolve your business from a from an execution point of view. I mean, you have to all from an execution point of view, but you but you also um, but you have to but you don't lose that legacy in a privately owned business like ours that still is managed that is still, you know, the leadership in myself is still the family. Um, you know, we have the opportunity to make sure that, that, that culture stays intact. And I mean, that's really, I mean, that's very key. That's my job. I mean, that's my picture that happens. And I, I take that very seriously. So I just think you have to, you know, honor the past, but you also have to uh, position your business for the future. Um, uh, and, you know, I think we're doing that. They J. Russell and come. That's awesome.
1: Very nice. That is Very awesome. Nice. Yep. So, you know, when you talk about just the family in general, how, you know, how has your experience as the CEO been different from, you know, potentially other CEOs that, you know, are not running family businesses and, and, and how has that impacted just how you've been the CEO and how you've been able to run it being that it's family? I mean, I couldn't I mean, I could imagine running a business with my family, but I know that at times that that may that could get tense. It could, you know, just you know what I mean? Just it could. Yeah. Yeah. So and I mean, I I just I'd love to hear your perspective on that.
0: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I tell when I talk to groups, I I mean, I do family and business don't naturally mix. I mean, I think.
2: (laughs) Right. Right.
0: Very fair, understatement, statement. And also like to say that I mean, and I believe this. All families, I mean, all of our families have some level of dysfunction. It's just a matter of how much. <laughs>
1: right? Can I deal true. with this? No, nope, that's very true. Yes, it's a great, on a, day-to-day a day to day basis at work. Yes.
0: So, but fortunately, I mean, the way we we operate, I have a brother and a sister who, from an ownership perspective, we all are. You know, we all are owners of the business. But I really, they've given me the leadership of a trust company. I mean, I'm I manage and operate and lead companies, so it's not as if you know, that when I'm making decisions on a on any kind of regular basis, I'm having to go back to a family entity to to get consensus. I mean, you can't run a business that way. So fortunately we have developed, I would call it just, you know, we developed some business guidelines of of you know, that if you have somebody in a leadership position, you gotta allow that person to lead to lead. Right. Yeah. And yep.
1: that's
0: I mean, I think in a family business, you can't have a, you can't make decisions. You can't make, you can't make um, everyday decisions by committee. So, you know, my family allows me to lead H.J. Russell and company, even though they are involved in the ownership, we're all involved in the ownership together. Um, and, and the reality, I mean, we are, I mean, we're a large enough company that, I mean, that I don't, again, my two owners, siblings are not involved in the business day to day. They have other you know, other business interests and other things that we do as a family that they're involved in. And my whole management team, you know, is not, is not family. You know, I have family. I have some family that works in different positions in the company. You know, I mean, even though we're family owned company, we are just a business, you know, mm-hmm. number one, but we are family owned. But to me, you got to always separate family and business again, don't naturally mix. So it's a you have to understand that if you have a privately owned business, you want to get your kids involved. That's great, but you also have to understand everybody's got to be accountable. Right. And I think that's children, key, including your nephews, including mm-hmm. your your cousin, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody got to be accountable for delivering. And if you don't set that, if you don't set yeah. that up front, you are going to suffer in some way in your business. Right. Yeah.
2: You know, I think that's a that's a great point. And I actually uh, had the privilege of talking to one of the Kathy's right Uh, Talk about a large family owned business. Um, And they were telling us that the the policy is that if one of the family's children, you know, nephews, nieces wants to work at Chick-fil-A. First of all, they have to graduate from a, a college and then they have to go work three to five years for another firm before they can come into Chick-fil-A. Mm. And the reason for that, I asked, I was like, wow, that's, that's an interesting one. They said, yeah, because they've done a lot of study on family-owned businesses. And they said, the rationale is they don't want to pass down from generation to generation. This is how we do things. Here is kind of the mindset. They mm. want them to go out in the world, learn new stuff, be kind of indoctrinated in new thoughts, new ideas, new innovations, and then bring that back into Chick-fil-A as, you know, a middle manager. And I, I was thought that was just uh, revelational when I heard them talk about that. So, yeah, I think family owned business, there's, there's a whole different mindset. There's a whole different lens you have to use when managing and running in one. And, and I, I love what you had to say about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I agree. I, I think I think everything you just said about the Cathys is good practice, and yeah, and you do have to have you do have to have I'm going to call it guidelines of what mm-hmm. what it looks like for next generation family members to work in the business, and what's the expectations? Right. Yeah. Well, I right. think that's really saying with the Cathy family and and Chick fil A, they've established that, mm-hmm. and you know, and they and they've seen. I mean, it is a lot of it is a lot of. Um, data around family businesses and as you know by the third generation i want to say only 10 percent of family businesses are still around right you know right it is it is certainly um you have to be very deliberate in how Mm -hmm. you how you operate and manage a family business for sustainability
2: yeah i completely agree with you and it's a whole other level right so when you start talking about like business continuity right it's 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 Junior is not necessarily your your business continuity plan because sure. they may have no interest in it, right? right. So it, it, it's a whole. You're right that that third generation. You really have to be intentional. So I think that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Michael uh, was gracious enough when we were, when I was first starting Higher Ground to, you know, be part of my whole customer discovery, and we talked about the impact of supplier diversity in construction and. RFPs. And can you talk just a little bit about that, Michael, like just your interaction with supplier diversity and contracts and how it affects the construction side, just for our listeners?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think supplier diversity for diverse businesses is real. I mean, you know, we're, we are a company that, you know, have been around, got a great reputation and, you know, I think, um, you know, have, 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 have done a, a good job, but supply diversity matters. I mean, this business, um, is such that without some level of of intentionality around uh, diverse vendors being at the table, it is, um, it's not easy because people tend to work with people they know and people they deal with. So uh, certainly I believe in supply diversity and I think it's the right thing uh, for companies and institutions to to um, really look at how they're doing business. So, yeah, I mean, and supply diversity for a firm like ours is very real. I mean, it, it is a, it is a, it's, it's an avenue for us to get involved in some size projects that we wouldn't naturally be able to uh, participate in. A good one would be, you know, we're part of the team that built Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, here in Atlanta uh, for the listeners. That's, that's the new, that's the home of the Atlanta Falcons and the, um, and, and the Atlanta and, and the, um, and the soccer team and the United. Uh, but you know, it's a billion dollar project, um, construction project, which again, would H.J. Russell be able to say, Hey, look, let me compete for that project. No. Um, so we were a part of a joint venture and that venture, I mean, um, diversity mattered to the client. And so, which probably leads me to just the the concept of supply diversity is always going to be driven from the buyer, from the client, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always, you know, always push clients. Don't think it's going to happen just, you know, naturally in the, in your uh, supplier base, you have to make sure as a owner that you say, Hey, diversity matters to me is something i going to look at in my decision matrix. And I want, I want you as, as a supplier, as as suppliers competing for my work, I want that to be something that, that matters to you. And you, you are actively working to um, be creative in bringing different people to the table. Right. So, I mean, so I guess, I mean, I can, I can talk about that for a while, but at the end of the day, it's essential. I think it's important to build capacity because that's yes. really what yes capacity. You know, how can firms, how can a firm go from a, a a one million dollar firm to a five million dollar firm. Right. right. And, you know, and and programs should be developed to uh, to help firms achieve that objective, which continues to grow um, you know, businesses in the US and and the reality, diverse firms tend to hire more diverse employer pay. Employ-
1: right. So true. So true. You
0: now a firm like Russell is much more diverse than a lot of my colleagues in the construction and I mean, that's just a fact. And I think that is real and it helps to bring more diverse people into the industry, which is a plus for the whole U.S. economy.
1: Yeah. When you think about just the yeah, the economic impact of it all is we talk about that. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. And I'm glad that you brought that up again, because, yeah, I mean, it's critical. It's a critical to just our nation's just livelihood and our position in the world. Um, yes. We've got to be we've got to be more diligent about making sure that that our teams and that our leaderships and the community that that are a reflection of the communities that we serve. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, so, Michael, let me ask you this. question. I love your stance on supplier diversity. I, I completely agree with you. But, you know, some of our listeners are not going to be as big as H.J. Russell. Right. And they're like, you know, I'm not a construction firm. I don't sure. have a lot of those same opportunities. Talk to us. Talk to our audience a little bit about. When do, how big is big enough to start thinking about supplier diversity? You know, for myself as a supplier diversity manager, I'm like, hey, as soon as you hang up your shingle, you might want to start thinking about it. <laughs> but from your own experience, if from, you know, talk to us about when should a business owner, right? Because they probably heard you saying all this stuff, this great stuff you're doing about supplier diversity and how important it is to you and your firm. And they're sitting there going, well, I'm not a construction company. You know, I don't have all these subcontracting opportunities. I don't have equipment. I don't have logistics like that. You know, I'm I'm running a small boutique on the West side. When, when should a, another MBE start thinking about being serious about their own supplier diversity program and making sure that they're buying from and, and retaining services of other minority and women-owned businesses?
0: Oh, I see. Oh, well, I think, I mean, I think that ought to start, that should start as soon as, as soon as you get, as soon as you I mean, to me, it's a consciousness. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. Bring, I think what you're saying, like a firm like ours, you know, how when how how I mean, we certainly consciously say, how are we bringing diverse vendors into our, mm-hmm. vendor, you know, insurance brokers? I mean, we're doing some different things. We now around how do we bring some diverse vendors with some of the other vendors that we use um, mm-hmm. from legal services from, you know, marketing services to printing services to, I mean, I think it's important. And of course we, we have a company of scale, so we have right, right. Do that. But I mean, I think if you're a small entrepreneur, I mean, why wouldn't you look for ways to do business with other MBEs? I mean,
1: from day one. Right. I completely agree.
0: But I mean, but at the end of the day, though, you got to grow your, you want to work with people who, you know, can deliver, but yes, and i don't think you know even if you look at my business um today or you look at who i'm doing business with i do business with people who can deliver and yes. i want that to be a diverse vendor base and it is but it's certainly not all black it's not all white it's not all it's right. not all hispanic but you got to work with people who can deliver but as a as a minority business i would i would like to think that people say hey look as i'm growing my business as I can find uh, other vendors who service me, I would like to be consciously looking for other minority vendors who can who I can work with. That's the only way you you know. That's the only way you turn over dollars right in the MBE community. I mean that's that's how you mm-hmm. build. That's how you start to build a um, a middle class. That's how you start to build entrepreneurship. That's how you that's how you start to build up um, the MBE community to be sustainable is by being supportive of each other. So I think you certainly, but it's, you know, every, I think everybody's going to have a different level of consciousness and awareness of that. But from my vantage point, I mean, people should be thinking about that as soon as they, you know, legitimately are out looking for vendors and other service providers.
2: Yep. If if this was church, I'd stand up and give you a really loud amen after that one, because that's exactly (laughs) what I've been saying for years now.
1: Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Well, before we wrap up, Michael, I would love to hear a little bit about the Russell Innovation
0: Center. Yeah. Tell
1: us what was the inspiration behind it, and you know how you anticipated creating change in the community.
0: Okay. Well, the Russell um, Innovation Center for Entrepreneurs, which the acronym is Rice, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like was it. Uh, was really, um, really about three or four years ago. It's it's. Mm -hmm. We moved out of our building. And frankly, I mean, we've been in, we moved out of our office building that the H.J. Russell was in, in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when we did that, we did that for various reasons. We just needed some upgraded space uh, for various reasons, but that's not important. But what we were focused on was how are we going to repurpose this building to still be impactful in this community? Because we're Mm -hmm. in a community from the west side by the AU Center that, you know, HJ Russell and Company's been in, been a been a major part of that community for forty five years. So what we so we decided that um, that you know, and really my brother was kind of the impetus for this. That you know, hey, look, let's 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 put this building in a five hundred one c three. So the building, you know, we took a you know a eight million dollar asset, took it off of the market, and said, look, how can we how can we grow entrepreneurship? My father passed in 2014. And I mean, he Mm -hmm. was an entrepreneur and one of our legacies talk about legacies. I mean, one of the legacies we wanted to do was say, well, look, I mean, this city has been great to us. How can we give back by, by creating something that helps grow entrepreneurship in this community, particularly in the black uh, community. And this was before Mm -hmm. George Floyd, this was before any of that happened. We all, you know, we've always believed as a family that, I mean, entrepreneurship is how you control your destiny. Right. And and for people who have the gumption to be entrepreneurs, we we want to, and and, and my dad and the company's always been supportive of mm-hmm. that. You know, we decided to create this center and, you know, really we did a, a lot of homework, went around the country, looked at other uh, incubators and, mm-hmm. and different you know, uh entities. And at the end of the day, we now have created a center that is really, I mean, at the end of the day, it's by growing black entrepreneurship. And it and it and it's and it, it has created an ecosystem within the Russell Center that helps entrepreneurs of all sizes um you get to the next level. I mean yeah. it is not tech center. It's really for all kind of entrepreneurs. I mean it's not a you know it's a lot it's very popular to see um at you know Different centers that are catering to technology only, and and mm-hmm. our center, we all know technology is central to all businesses today. Uh, but but we we you know created this center, and it's you know of course we had COVID, but it's it, it is still kind of growing and getting its feet under it, if you will. But we got a great infrastructure of resources and people and support that um, has allowed uh, the center already to be very impactful in, in helping to grow black businesses. And, and it's all, I mean, we have all kinds of different agencies. We have relationships with law firms, with, with accounting firms. We have different agencies that that are a part of um, the infrastructure that once you're a part of the Russell center, you have all these resources at your disposal that allow you to, to help take your business to the next level. Mm -hmm. So, I mean we're really excited about it we're excited about what we think it can be Um, we think it can be you know really in many ways a very unique national model Mm. and and what's unique about it too frankly i mean we're a black family that we own this building so it's you know we we can control again control the narrative and what happens in it we're not you know behold to others we're not leasing space we're owning we own this building and we're committed to making sure that um we provide the ecosystem that allows these small entrepreneurs to take their business to the next level. So, That's you know, awesome. it, it's, it's a lot going on with it, but I, I I'm excited about it. I mean, you know, look it up online. We, um, we are continuing to build our staff and I'm excited about the rest of this year and going into 22, you know, the impact that it, that it will have um um into the future. Awesome.
1: That is so awesome. Um I just applaud you and and your family for what you're doing and the impact that and I'm looking forward to seeing the impact that it makes on the West side for sure.
0: No question. We're excited.
1: Yes. Well thank you so much, Michael, for coming on the show. This
0: has been awesome.
2: This has been great.
1: Yes, you can keep up with Michael and H.J. Russell and Company at www.hjrussell.com. Connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Reed and Adam Moore and Michael Russell Sr. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to check out our previous shows and stay tuned for more. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much.